As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We are going to rip out the hearts of other podcasts. We are going to bite off their eyeballs. We are going to start every segment watching the scene from The Last of the Mohicans where the guy takes a bite out of the other guy's heart. We may not be good, but we're going to be nasty. We're going to reflect the blue-collar nature of this city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Wednesday afternoon. Bo Wolf, Zach Berman, Marissa Dunn, plenty to get to about the 12-1 and Philadelphia Eagles. We'll have a little bird on the street, what we've learned over the past couple of days at the NovaCare Complex. We're going to have a bit of an extended uh, Jalen Hurts conversation, a bit of a check-in on uh, some of the ways that he has gotten better this season. I feel like we haven't maybe uh, you know, fully dived into that, so we'll have that. And then we're going to be joined by Kaylin Kaler late in the show to talk uh, about some league-wide stuff, get her thoughts on the Eagles, you know, what's it like uh, working for the Athletic, all that good stuff. Marissa, how are you? Um, I'm doing great. Uh, people think I got my hair done. I just actually like put a brush through it today. Big day over here. Good for you. But... <laughs> yeah. Super eventful Wednesday in Cleveland. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Zach, what's going well? Excited for this podcast. Um, exciting week going on here. We go to Chicago this weekend. It'll mm. be nice. It'll so... be cold. And it will be cold. And uh some news to get to at the top. So, yeah, looking forward to this pod. Mm. Casey Wolf, five years old, big day. Yes. Happy birthday, Casey. How Thank do you, you feel? You have a five-year-old. You know what uh, is weird I was thinking about? I was thinking about when Casey was born. It was, it was you know, the 2017 season. So this podcast is older than my son, which wow. puts things in perspective, I guess. Does it? Uh, that's it, it shows that people who've been along for the ride have seen you mature as a father in addition to a podcast host. Mm. It's your first baby. Your first child. The podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, to some degree. Okay. Uh, all right. Why don't we uh, let's let's get into this bad boy. Let's send it over to the Stone Cold Newsman, Zach Berman, who's got the latest on the uh, moving and shaking with the Eagles roster, some injury fallout and what is going on with the league leaders. The Philadelphia Eagles have a walkthrough this afternoon, and as they have their walkthrough, they will have Dallas Goddard on the field participating. Dallas Goddard's 21-day practice window has been activated. Uh, It would certainly seem that if he gets through this week healthy, He will be on the field Sunday against the Chicago Bears. We'll see there. The Eagles do have an open roster spot. That is because they put Aaron Sipos on injured reserve, and they signed veteran punter Brett Kern, as Bo predicted on the podcast Sunday night. 
Shout out and, analytics. Uh, to the practice squad. And uh, they also added Anthony Harris to the practice squad. Now, I received messages from fans last night when this occurred. Uh, why would the Eagles put him on practice squad if they need him? Well, they can elevate him for the next few weeks. And I understand there's a threshold for when they can do that. It's essentially like paying something with a credit card, right? The Eagles are figuring that at some point here, there's going to be a spot that opens up. Um, and so they'll put, they'll put them on the 53 down the line, but they have some flex, I assume at least, uh, but they have some flexibility in these next few weeks and, uh, or they can do that and then they can open up a spot for Goddard and we'll see what happens thereafter. there. Anthony Harris, who was with the team last season and was, uh, with the team during the summer, the Eagles made him somewhat surprise cut right before the season started and he spent a week on practice squad was was in denver for a bit he is back now uh with the eagles on the practice squad so it gives them someone who knows the system in the event that uh that re blankenship can't play this weekend finally brandon graham named a i'm sorry named nfc defensive player of the week second time this season so has never had never won in his career until this year uh, wins it for the second time, joining Seth Joyner and Eric Allen as the only two players in franchise history to win Defensive Player of the Week twice in a season. Back to you in the studio, Bo. Hey, thanks, Zach. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, let's start with Goddard. I do feel like there's a good chance he'll play this week. You know, it's uh, it's like the dance in the locker room when he has to talk about how he's feeling well, but he, he's not like he's probably explicitly told not to give away the fact that he's going to play uh, this week. I mean, he has to get through the week of practice yep. feeling okay, but uh, I would put it at about like 96% chance that he plays this weekend. Um, the Brett Kern thing, you know, it makes sense. You don't, you don't need the roster spot. As you said, if somebody gets injured, um, a, a spot will open up down the line. I don't think that Anthony Harris is here to be on the active roster. I think he, he's here just as uh, backup protection. You know, do, is your expectation that it'll it'll be Kayvon Wallace starting this week? Presuming Blankenship can't play, well, um, yeah, that's that's the yeah. expectation. That's my that's what I'm asking. Then yes, I, I I would imagine it's it's Kayvon Wallace in that case. Are are we certain Blankenship's not playing? We're not certain. Okay. We're not certain of anything. You know what I mean, Bo? Yeah. Are right. <laughs> I mean are are you operating as if he's going to be out, or do you think he's going to be questionable? Uh. I'm guessing that he's going to not play. Okay. Okay. I don't know. What What do you think? I I don't know either. I, I think there might be a chance. We'll, we'll see the practice report when it comes out. I, I, I simply don't know. Didn't get a chance to speak to Reed last night. Or, or I'm sorry. Didn't get a chance to speak to Reed today. Um, <laughs> I was saying your last night. Your son? Nah. You're ghosting? You're giving your son the silent treatment? I speak to my son all the time. I said Reed last night because he was on the um, Players Lounge show, or not the Players Lounge show. He was on the the show with Dave Spadaro, uh, the Green Legion show, I I believe it might be. Uh, I did not get a chance to hear it. That's what I meant. So I, I don't know what he might have said there. That's what I was referring to about last night. I did something very silly yesterday, Marissa, um, because, you know, like the fact that Zach – can rattle off that Reed Blankenship was on a, like a, a like a second tier Dave Spadaro podcast, like not even Dave Spadaro's uh, you know normal oh, Eagles nice. Insider podcast. Like he's just running down the list. He's aware of everything. I sent Zach something yesterday afternoon, uh, a link to like a, an Eagles related thing. It was the the Jeffrey Lurie uh, interview on Bloomberg, as like a moron, as if Zach had not already seen it. And he was like, Oh yeah, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I saw it three minutes after it came out. Come yeah, on. It's like this has been up for three hours. How how slow on yeah. the draw are you? Don't say it. Come on, we all. I see mean, stuff. he's got the Google notifications. Remember? That's right. Yeah, he's got. It must yeah, be which actually came alert. in handy. Which which came in handy about something uh, recently. Um, congratulations to Nick Sirianni's brother Jay, who is going <laughs> who's, who's going into his his county's athletic hall of fame, and joining older brother Mike. And Father Fran, Nick Sirianni is not yet in the County Hall of Fame. So you got to wonder what the threshold is for making it. I, I have been there. Um, I, I'm not saying the county's name because I would butcher the pronunciation. 
Uh, so you've as, been to the place, not you've been there and having your brothers uh, also oh, yeah. in a no. Hall of Fame. No, uh, my I have not been there where my brothers are in the Hall of Fame. I have been there to the physical Hall of Fame. I think it, I'm going to try it. Is it Chappaqua? Uh, oh, Chappaqua. Chappaqua? No, it, it's, it's not Chappaqua. Chappaqua is no. in, in Western New yeah. York. Yeah, this is, uh, this is all the way. Pennsylvania. Yeah. No, no, no. This uh, is Western no, New York. Western New York. Uh, it is Chappaquiddick. The, no. C h a u t a u q u a. How would you pronounce that? I have Chautauqua. Chautauqua. Okay, thank you. Chautauqua. I mean, that's a guess. Sounds like like Chautauqua mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, Chautauqua. Um, <laughs> so sorry about that. That uh, I, I, should, I should get the pronunciation. Chautauqua going to work here anymore anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, that that showed up in the notifications. Okay, and and, and any recent hits on the Jennifer Love Hewitt Google alert? <laughs> no, no Jennifer Love Hewitt Google alert. Okay. Um, all right, Zach. Uh, in terms of talking to the coordinators yesterday, work in the locker room, talking to Jalen Hurts today, what what stood out to you? What's worth discussing? Discussing, not disgusting. <laughs> well, the Jalen Hurts discussion. That's what Jane says when we, when we change her diaper. Uh, because disgusting. That's, that's gonna be a full yeah. segment. Before I, I get to the locker room, I, I just had a follow up with you about the notes because you have been in touch with the Punalytics folks. Um, it, it was in. I think your, we're gonna have one of them on the show on Friday. It was. It was in your story uh, on on the day after. We can wait for Friday, but if you can just give our re our our, our listeners a quick sense of what the Eagles are getting in the punt game here with Kern. Yeah. I mean the, the, the sense is that this, you know, this guy, Brett Kern is like far and away the best punter on the market. Um, he is, you know, has been an above average punter and like a top 10 level punter, uh, over the past few years. And he was even really good in the preseason, but, uh, the, the Titans opted to go with Ryan Stonehouse, the rookie who has been really good, um, and has a big leg. So it sort of made sense. What, what Kern said today that was interesting is, you know, he he had a couple potential opportunities at the start of the season that he didn't really think, you know, made sense for his family, uh, like moving. He's got three kids, moving the whole family. Um, reading between the lines, my my guess is Buffalo, um, because obviously they had the they had released because he's he's from Buffalo, so that's interesting. Yeah, he's from Grand but, Island. Yeah, but um, there haven't not been there has not been much turnover at punter this year. He said, I think only New England has changed their punters this year. And um, obviously, this is a unique opportunity to come uh, punt for a 12 and one team um, this late into the season and jump along for the ride. And, and he said uh, his oldest son, 13 years old, uh, has is a big uh, fantasy football guy now. He's got Jalen Hurts on his team. So he was excited about that. Um, but this is sort of like uh, he, he was never he had never like thought that this was the end. He always, he always expected that he was going to be coming back. And so um, this sort of made sense. And, you know, it, he said, as you would expect, like the guy who is presumably the highest rated punter available when like once Aaron Sipos goes down on Sunday, like, you know, his agent calls him like right away. And basically by Sunday night, it was done. So uh, Mike Clay also said, Michael Clay also said that he is a really good holder. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, I asked him, I asked him, like, is that going to be like, does that take adjustment? Like, how long will that take to get the operation right? And he's like, uh, yeah, we're going to go out there and you know, it'll probably take like one or two minutes. <laughs> it's like, Jake's going to tell me how he likes yeah. it tilted and that'll be that. So it, it always brings to mind, Doug Peterson took such pride in his holding ability. Um, Doug Peterson was like, uh, you know, back then the, the backup quarterbacks used to be the holders and Doug being a career backup quarterback um, was, was I, I, I think Bo has found something more important than our podcast, Marissa, because he looked down at his phone and he started laughing. What is so funny, Bo? Uh, my aunt, uh, Karen is watching the show and she just texted uh, Salman Rushdie was stabbed in the face in Chautauqua. <laughs> So there you go. Okay. Yeah, you know a little bit more. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you, Aunt Karen. <laughs> uh, so uh, sorry to stop. I mean, you know, let's yeah, not that, make light of it, but uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna uh, Doug, not laugh at that. <laughs> uh, Doug Peterson 
takes a lot of pride in his um, holding ability. So uh, th- that that always comes to mind in 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 that case. But Brent Kern, uh, Brett Kern will help there. On a uh, serious note, what stood out in the locker room um, had a chance uh, had a chance to speak to Gardner Minshew or. I got in midway through to Gardner Minshew. Of course, the big news in the football world this week is uh, is the sudden uh, passing of of Mike Leach, the head coach of Mississippi State, former head coach of Washington State and Texas Tech. And uh, Gardner Minshew was emotional speaking about Mike Leach, and um, he was he was giving some stories for him that he wouldn't be in the spot he is in the NFL without Mike Leach. Uh, and then I asked Nick Sirianni about this because I'm always curious. Uh, Sirianni's the type of coach who is always looking for little, you know, nuggets of coaching insight and plays. And uh, he, he said he's, he's watched Leach all he's watched Leach's offenses throughout the years. And even Leach as a, as a uh, personality, you know, how he is in press conferences and in interviews. And so uh, that was interesting to hear Nick's perspective on that, but, uh, my condolences, of course, to everyone who who knew him and played for him. And uh, yeah, there was a good piece, I should say. There's a handful of good pieces, but I really enjoyed um, Bruce Feldman's story on the Athletic today about his personal experience with Mike Leach. Yeah, that's always um, like that's a little delicate, right? Like, do, you know, I, are you going to be the first one to go up to Gardner Minshew and ask him to talk about it? Like, you, you ask him if he wants to talk about it, right? Um, the same goes for Andre Dillard, but. It does feel like Gardner Minshew. I mean, there are there are several uh, quarterbacks of the Leach tree who are of this ilk. But like uh, you asked the question to Gardner Minshew, what what got him sort of emotional at the end was that like you know, if it wasn't for Mike Leach, I'd be I'd be you know a low level assistant coach probably for Mike's or for Nick Saban somewhere like uh, getting yelled at. Like you know, I'm here because because he believed in me. So yeah so the so the story there for those who aren't familiar with the Gardner Minshew story is when he was transferring from Alabama, he was planning to go to I'm sorry when he was transferring from East Carolina, he was planning to go to Alabama at at, at one point um not to be a starter there, but essentially to to learn from Nick Saban so he could get in the coaching and then i I think as I've seen this in in an interview before and in interviews before, the way Mike Leach framed it to him is do you want to hold a clipboard at Alabama or do you want to lead the country in passing? And that's, that's kind of how that, that magical season at Washington state started. And then there's, you know, so much that came after and he's in the NFL now and I imagine he'll be in the NFL for a a long time. So he was, he was very succinct in saying that, you know, he, he'd be holding, you know, he'd be getting his, 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 I'm sorry, his, his butt shoot out by um, Nick Saban at Alabama right now. If and he's so grateful for everything Mike Leach did for him and his family, uh, and he can't put in the words the impact that Leach has had on him. All right, well said. Uh, let's take a little break, come back, talk some Jalen Hurts, and then uh, after that, we'll talk to Kaylin Kaler. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great job with those reads, Marissa. Thank you. 
The chat loves when Marissa does the ad reads. <laughs> she she's great at them. I agree. I just try to save you guys some time because you guys are busy during the day. So I mean, as are you. you know, you're trying to you're trying I to become know, the but... star of the show. We know what's going on. <laughs> you guys are you guys are out at the facility and stuff. I'm home, so there's only room for one star on this show. Trying to Wally Pip us. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. I could never do that. <laughs> I mean, you definitely could. I think is the actual truth. Um, all right, let's talk a little. Let's talk a little Jalen Hurts. Um, I think that we have like talked around, uh, like being impressed every every step of the way with with how much he has improved, um, and like uh, the ways that it has happened. But I, I just wanted to sort of like reframe or, or uh, you know go over some of the specifics here, Zach. So um, some of these numbers are just are just eye-popping. And, and this is just as a passer, right? This has nothing to do with everything that he brings to the offense and does from a productivity standpoint as a rusher, which is like really significant. Uh, last year, so this is, this is uh, throws at least three yards down the field. So I'm just, I'm, I'm taking out, taking out screens, taking out those, those quick passes. Um, Last year, so it's it's a good sample size, 294 passes last year, 264 passes this year. Last year, um, the time to throw on those throws, 3.27 seconds. This year, 2.79 seconds. That's a pretty significant drop-off. And Nick Sirianni, I think, was was talking about this today, Zach, um, when asked about like the, the tangible ways that he has noticed the difference in Hertz in year two in a system, something that we talked about throughout the offseason and Jalen Hurts talked about that this was going to be his first chance since high school to be in the same offense for two years in a row. And Nick Sirianni said, what you really notice is like the speed that he's processing. And that is playing out in, in how quickly he's getting rid of the ball. Um, the, the actual like production of those numbers is also crazy in terms of the jump that it's made last year. He was completing these passes at a 54.4% clip. This year, he's up to 64.4%, uh, a huge jump. The yards per attempt on those passes have gone from 8.3 to 9.7. And if you want to look at the EPA uh, per attempt, it's gone from 0.22 to 0.42. So uh, we know that he is like he has been better. And I know that it's a little bit tough to disentangle how much A.J. Brown factors in here and uh, just having a better offense in general. But um, like as a passer, and even in the in the Giants game, there were so many throws in that game where it felt like we would not have seen him make that throw. I'm not even sure we would have made, seen him make it earlier this season. Like we talked about the the, yeah. the out to Quez Watkins. Uh, Nick Sirianni was talking about how impressed he was with that check down to Zach Pascal for four yards for a first down on the opening drive. Shane Steichen talked about the uh, third down pass to Devontae Smith on the opening drive, which was pin pin perfect. Even the throws that he made downfield to Devontae Smith and Miles Sanders, where both guys had a foot out of bounds, were like perfect throws. Um, what has what what has jumped out to you in terms of just watching him and, and where you think that he has improved the most as a passer? Well, so the, the first thing I, I want to say on, on this topic, uh, because I've, I've been thinking about this, and I was on Chicago radio yesterday, and the question came up, what can the Flex. Bears – what can the Bears learn uh, or implement? You know that that. Now uh, this is separate from the podcast. This was separate. We, we had on... the podcast too that, okay. from from Jalen Hurts' development. And then we were on the podcast, but this is the answer I, I gave on on the radio. That's why I I want to bring it up here. And I've I've been reading and hearing um, who who's responsible or what's responsible for this jump, and I can't emphasize this enough. The the person most responsible for Jalen Hurts getting better this year is Jalen Hurts, right? Like Jalen Hurts is wired a special way. And there's it's it's not like the Eagles found this recipe and every team can duplicate it. Um, the key to this is Jalen Hurts. It's not the offensive line, which is outstanding. It's not the the uh it, it's it's not continuity with the coaching staff, which is a factor. It's not getting AJ Brown, which has had a big effect. It's Jalen Hurts, right? So you can't take all these conditions and put it in another team. And I actually, I asked the question to Jalen Hurts today, what can the league learn from your improvement this year? And 
his answer was there's no secret formula. There's no rocket science to it. I just put the work in. Everyone may see certain results, but nobody sees the work. The work has been consistently put in every offseason. He talked about how he learns from every experience, good, bad, and different. Um, and all this might seem cliche. And if you, if, if, you, if I'm talking to the audience now, if you haven't heard Bo's response to uh, a similar type of question on our podcast with the Bears um, reporters, was was Bo said he's he's kind of getting into the intangible he's he's buying the intangibles now a, a little more after seeing Jalen Hurts and I I think that's a good way to put it because what's making Jalen Hurts better this year is Jalen Hurts um, that's that's the number one thing so I want to preface that to answer the question specifically the efficiency as of a as a passer is where I've I've seen the biggest jump. Uh, and that a lot of that I think goes into decision making. Um, a lot of that goes into you know fundamentals. But I I I just think that he is he knows where to go, when to go with it. And Jalen Hurts said earlier this season, and something I want to explore more is he said when I I think I asked him about being a dual threat quarterback, and he said he's not a dual threat quarterback. He's a triple threat quarterback. He's a it's his arm, it's his legs, and it's his mind. Talk and I think what's and I think what has separated him this year is Jalen Hurts' mind because that is where you're seeing a big difference in terms of the processing, the decisiveness, and where to go with the ball. Hmm. That's well said. Let me ask you this. Do you think do you think Jalen Hurts would have a better year if he had the same supporting cast? but he was in the first year of an offense or if he was in the second year of this offense, but he didn't have AJ Brown. So, so can you repeat that? Uh, I, I just want to make sure I answer it. Well, yeah. This, this would, would, would Jalen hurts be having a better year, all conditions the same, but there's no AJ Brown mm -hmm. and it's, you know, Christian Kirk or whatever. Okay. Or it's the exact same supporting cast, but he's playing for brand new coach. X in his in his third year in the NFL. His third year or, in the NFL. Okay, his, so so we're not taking last. Okay, right. so not AJ Brown. He has still had his team. his own okay development path. Yeah, I think that his own development path with AJ Brown, but with a different. But yeah, basically, system. what matters more, the AJ Brown addition yeah. or being in the second year in the offense? I think the AJ Brown addition and him being another year in the NFL, getting another year to get better, more so. Than the continuity. I think so. Offense. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I also have the the breakdown here of the the directions of the passes because we talked so much about mm -hmm. you know uh, he didn't throw to his left a lot last year. That was the Bucks game plan in the playoff game was to try to force him left. He didn't throw over the middle of the field, and this is like it is kind of wild. Um, and I think a lot of this does have to do with AJ Brown because AJ Brown spends so much time on the left side. But uh, so so True Media breaks it down. Uh, into seven zones. You've got the sideline, like just three yards close to the sideline. You've got that area to the numbers. You got the numbers to the hash. You got between the hashes, and then you've got the same stuff on the right side. Hash to numbers, numbers to sideline, sideline out. Um, the biggest jumps he's made uh, are on the left side, right? Um, the the left sideline to the left hash, or to the left numbers, rather. Uh, the percentage of passes that he's throwing that direction jump from 19% to 25%. The uh, left numbers to the left hash have jumped from basically 12% to basically 19%. The middle is still about the same. Between the hashes, he doesn't throw there very often. It's about between 4 and 5%. And then he's also throwing to the right side of the middle of the field, the hash to the numbers uh, more often this year. And where he's throwing to less is like far to the right, which is where... Um, I think he was, you know, he threw there almost a third of the time last year and it's down to 20% this year, but it's also like, as, as with everything else he's doing as a passer this year, like the, 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 uh, production of those throws has jumped significantly, uh, like the percentage of the throws to the left side last year in terms of his completion percentage were 46.4% this year. It's 70.8%. Wow. Um, that, that's yeah, it's wild. And mm -hmm. It's one of those things where, like, 
Sirianni and Hertz have been asked about it and they don't really like acknowledge that this was a thing that they that they worked on. But it's so clear that like they knew that this was an area of the offense that was not being exploited and they've they've like really ratcheted up this year. That's that's a great breakdown. And those those numbers tell the story there. And it I try to think because I I I try to answer these these questions better and like what what can be learned from this. And on one hand, you say players can improve, right? A player can get better year three than he was year one. And, and, and we've seen that throughout Jalen's career, but I also think it's unrealistic to expect every quarterback's development track to be like Josh Allen or Jalen hurts. You're, you're right. Frankly, what you see is, is a quarterback not make this type of improvement right like it, you can't just say zach wilson all of a sudden is going to make this leap in right. and Hurts it shouldn't be so linear either yeah like it's and it's it's crazy he got he got a lot better from year one to year mm -hmm. two and he got way better from year two to year three it's like mm -hmm. it shouldn't be it shouldn't be this predictable i mean not predictable is not the word because it's completely unpredictable but it shouldn't, yeah. it shouldn't be this like of a straight line direction and i i give credit to jalen also for even though he hasn't publicly said this to us right these these improvements show that, that he 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 recognized there were improvements to make as a passer there were things he had to do and he obviously made initiatives this offseason bo jokes about how california is this like mysterious place right. to improve as a quarterback well i mean but, it's california so. <laughs> yeah but there are are uh specific things that that they this coaching staff sent him to work on this offseason and he addressed it yeah and i and i don't th and i mean you are 100 percent right that like if you're you're dividing the turkeys of of credit here you know jalen hurts deserves the the vast majority um of the credit and like it, it has it has made me like rethink some things because uh, like I like the intangible stuff in this case matters a ton. Um, and, you know, players can get better in really significant ways um, that in, in ways that you may not have thought they'd be able to get better. Um, I don't know. It's been it's just been really impressive to watch. And I also think it's 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 fine to acknowledge that 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 he he has like improved as a pastor. I, I see some takes Well, he was always like this. It was, I just, saw some, yeah, I saw someone yeah. tweet that like, this is who he was at Oklahoma. Like, are yeah. you nuts? No. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this is not who he was when he came in, in, into the NFL. And this was not who he was last season. He had flashes that, that showed he could be this type of quarterback perhaps. Um, but in order for him to do it on a consistent basis, he has improved. He is, he is better. Uh, and, where I, I I do think getting AJ Brown certainly helps and and this offense. I give credit to the coaching staff for building a system to to try to maximize what Jalen does. Uh, like you know, environment is a factor in all these situations. But I do think that Jalen just has whether you want to call it intangibles, whether you want to call it makeup, whatever frame you, however you want to frame it, he was determined to get to this point and he has physical and mental gifts that allow him to do so and this is the 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 other part that is a little bit more nebulous um and that i'm not sure like to what degree i believe but it really does it, it, this is easy to say because the team is 12 and 1 right but it really does feel like um they have as a group like taken on his personality um and like his his force of like you know pathological commitment to the game has has rubbed off on some guys and i know that he's different behind the scenes than than he is uh, with us uh and in, in front mm -hmm. of a mic but like it really does feel like and and it's it's also crazy he's like he's 25 years old and he's wired like this um but it, it really does feel like his his force of personality makes a big difference on on the roster yes uh and as in speaking about that person well uh, two points there. It was brought up to Jalen today that Miles Sanders' post-game press conference the other day sounded like it came straight from Jalen Hurts. And, you know, Jalen said something to the effect of when you're a, a leader, you want to rub off on, on people, and it's not just what you tell them to do, but, like, what they see you doing. 
Uh, and then the second thing, as far as his personality, you had in your day after the video of right. Jalen sitting on the bench and AJ and Quez uh, laughing. And I asked AJ Brown about this video today. And AJ was like, that explains exactly who, who Jalen is. Like during the game, he is so locked in. And I said, you've been talking to us all year about trying to get him to loosen up, like to have fun and to joke around. And AJ was like, not during the game. <laughs> that does not happen during the game. Uh, so it, it, it was interesting to see, but it was a good, it was a good clip. What do you think he's going to do? Adam Sandler, that I'm effort? <laughs> did any, did he get any Adam Sandler questions in the press conference today? Did Jalen? No, no, that's too bad. Okay. Um, all right. Anything else? But, but Jalen had the longest answer that he's given since he came to Philadelphia. Uh, and that was regarding his, his day yesterday. He went to, um, multiple places throughout the city, uh, and in, in, in giving back and kind of using his platform and being an inspiration for people around the city. And he gave specific stories of how, what he, he does, uh, resonates with people and, and, um, you know, families who take joy in in seeing what he does on on Sundays to deal with things that are going on in their lives. Um, I I don't want to shortchange the answer by paraphrasing it. At some point tonight, I will transcribe the whole thing and maybe I'll put it up on Twitter. Uh, but it was it was poignant to hear, and the the day was meaningful to Jalen based on the way he explained it and having sat through almost every jail and press conference, uh, trying to make a point of it to always be there. And this was without a doubt, the longest answer he has ever given like times three or four. So, mm. yeah, there you go. All right. We'll check that out. All right. Well, let's take our other brick because we've got Kaylin Kaler coming in on the other side. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back on birds with friends with threats to our nation waiting around every corner. Adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back to Birds with Friends. Bozak and Marissa join now by senior writer kaylin kaler kaylin uh and you're and you're rocking the athletic hoodie that's right you feel like a sellout totally <laughs> uh thank it's you. a nice hoodie though it's really like some good police quality in the inside it's really nice <laughs> yeah they do a good job with those i think for the uh for the new people we'll see you know we'll see what happens yeah come holiday time for the rest of us but uh yeah, fingers thank you. crossed for our holiday gifts i'm looking forward to what yeah, it's gonna to be compare. let me know you'll get like a you know like a small tank top or something <laughs> there you go i can yeah zach could use one of those <laughs> uh, uh caitlin thank you for uh for spending the time um i i guess i guess to start um let's get let just your your national perspective on on the eagles what they've um what they've done this season. And as you talk to people around the league, what is sort of the, uh, their perspective on, on how sustainable this is? Yeah. I feel like I was just listening to what you guys were talking about earlier and I'm like, I don't think I really have anything more, you know, wild or interesting or that crazy to add on this other than, I mean, you know, I think, I think it's sustainable personally. Um, and I, and I think as you guys were mentioning, like, I just keep going back and I'm like, I can't believe this is the same guy who literally transferred to Oklahoma because like he wasn't viewed as a good enough passer. And here we are. And so I just think the whole narrative of this is just so amazing. And I think one thing I was kind of watching at the same time as Jalen Hurts has kind of taken this huge step in development this year was also sort of the um, development of Tua happening at the same time. And there was a lot of uh, you know, there's a lot of comparisons you can make there. And I think in a lot of conversations I've been having is it's just like, well, look at what you, what can happen when you support your quarterback, your young quarterback with, you know, an elite receiver, because both of these teams, Miami and Philadelphia made big moves um, to sign top of the game 
elite, elite, best of the best receivers. And while you can't put it all on AJ Brown and all of it on Tyreek Hill, it's very clear that those two guys had a huge, huge impact on helping those quarterbacks take that next step. So I think it's been really interesting to sort of like compare and contrast those two situations. And I feel like maybe with Tua's situation, um, the coaching is more influential there with his transformation than maybe with Jalen Hurts. I mean, I think obviously I'm not trying to like undersell what Nick Sirianni and um, Shane Steichen have done there, but I feel like Mike McDaniel may have had and and the way that he changed that offense um, to structure doing what Tua is best. I feel like that is more of an impact on Tua's development there. Um, And obviously the last two games of Tua have been a little bit rough, but Jalen, I mean, it, it is just an incredible story. And I mean, I was listening to what you just said, Zach, about how your opinion is that like, he's the one who did it. And it's not like the bears can just follow this recipe of, okay, sign an elite receiver, uh, bolster the offensive line, um, you know, find the right balance in um, developing fields as a passer while also continuing to rely on his uh, dual threat uh, rushing ability. So I thought that was kind of interesting because I thought, oh yeah, I mean, Ryan Poole should definitely be just like looking at this and like, okay, we're gonna do exactly the same thing. And they have the cap space to do it. And I think my, my other takeaway is like Howie Roseman is just amazing i don't know he's like oh how he's gonna love this podcast now <laughs> i mean if you're listening howie i mean he's like least everybody it's just incredible like well listen I there's just... the ryan bates trade which we can we can still relitigate <laughs> we can talk about the casey two he'll release there's other there are there are other things on the docket that's all right yeah i mean i just think like I mean, if you talk to people around the league about Howie, everyone's like, well, he has to win every trade. Like, he has to be the winner of every deal that he makes. Which That's like, why he made the Kerry Vincent trade, Zach. So he so he could let everybody throws know off the that, set. that he yes. wants to lose a trade every now and then. <laughs> He's got to lose a couple yeah. just to, right. like, stay stay uh, with his mojo. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, like, we, like, if you talk to people around the league about Howie, like, that is, like, what people bring up. And, like, that can sometimes be... I don't know if abrasive is the right word or alienating, um, but it can sometimes rub people the wrong way. But like, obviously you want to win your trades. Like, you you know, and I don't know. I just feel like I don't understand really how he's done it, but he has somehow like, I just feel like he's just fleeced everybody and just like completely just dominated uh, the last big, you know, transactions he's been involved in. And I just think it's really impressive. Um so I think that has a lot to do with it too. Um, no doubt. And when you think about like when they first got Jalen, I mean, this this is like a whole like, you know, quarterback uh, philosophy thing. Cause didn't, wasn't Howie the one who said like, we want to have quarterback factory. factory. Quarterback yeah. factory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He got like relentlessly mocked for that. Yes. But I mean, is anyone going to mock him for that now? Like I wouldn't like it, it turned out really well for him and i think like i look at new england when it when it comes to quarterback philosophies as well i think new england's another really interesting team to look at i look at them and i see how i think i was like looking at this when comparing to the bears and so the last time like the bears had drafted a quarterback in the late rounds of the draft like rounds four through seven i think it was like 2014 or something and in that same time period the patriots had drafted like five of them and, you know, one of those was Jimmy Garoppolo. Another one was Jacoby Brissett. Like players they had been able to flip for future value, they got their own value from mm-hmm. them when they needed it. And then they were able to flip them into future players. So, like, I totally believe, like, the quarterback factory philosophy is really not a bad one to have if you're building a team. And you can get into a situation like this where, you know, you saw some really good traits in a player and – when he got into your facility, the the intangible traits were even more impossible to ignore to the fact where, and maybe I'm like characterizing this wrong, but you guys are there, but it's like, wasn't Jalen's just like leadership, just like out of the park compared mm-hmm. to Carson Wentz? Yes, oh, for sure. Well, yeah. Yeah. So it's like that stuff kind of will just like naturally take place within your team. Like, survival of the fittest kind of style. So it's like, yeah, I mean, if you just want to collect good quarterbacks or quarterbacks that you see as 
possibly becoming good, like that's not a bad team building strategy to have because you can end up in a situation like this where, I mean, Jalen Hurts is completely wowed and surpassed probably all the ex expectations for him, even within that building. So you're the, the perfect person to speak to about this topic because, uh, the quarterback factory line, it came when, ah, was... you're going to steal my thing. Go ahead. I'm you're sorry. Right. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. You're right. This is exactly, the, this is exactly what the next question should be. Even, I, I was, even share it. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask something this, but I was, I was trying to, uh, you know, in a good interview, which what you're doing is you're listening to the answer. You're not just sticking. Yeah, to I understand. I was yeah, going to ask. This about is, the, this is game, the correct follow up. I just wanted to let you go. Yeah. So, okay. So the Eagles drafted uh, Jalen Hurts with the intention of him being their backup quarterback. This is an organization that prioritizes backup quarterbacks. I mean, I, uh, Jeffrey Lurie keeps a, or he's told me he's, key, he's kept a list next to his bed of, uh, organizational ten or in a drawer next to his bed. Yeah. Of, of what's required for a strong Good clarification that he said this and not that you've actually seen it yourself. <laughs> and, um, and, and one of the items on the list for a successful organization is a strong backup quarterback. Uh, and he actually when, when Nick Foles was making that run, he said he wouldn't call him a backup quarterback. He would call him the second starter. Uh, and the, I, I preface it this way with you because you do the QB2 podcast. You have an expertise in backup quarterbacks, if I can frame it that way. Uh, and the Eagles are in a situation now with with Gardner Minshew, where Gardner Minshew had a good game last year, and he he literally walked into Nick Sirianni's office and said, how can I be the starter here? Uh, and the Eagles are going to have to replace Gardner Minshew, presumably next year. What do you think is a healthier backup quarterback to have? Someone who is that Doug Peterson type, who he's just there to support the starting quarterback or someone who's the Jalen Hurts type or someone of, you know, I, I would say the Gardner Minshew type who's really trying to push the guy and he understands his role as the number two, but he wants to be the number one. Great question. And before I answer it, I'm going to say, Gardner Minshew um, requested him for the podcast mm. and was was told he's not doing any media this year because he's really trying to be the backup. Like he's trying to just. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I was really surprised because obviously we all know he has a very interesting personality from his time in Jacksonville um, when he kind of became a viral quarterback there for a second uh, with the George mustache and all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, like it's really interesting. So he's. I think he's definitely right now, just based off of that response, I think Gardner has kind of embraced his uh, supporting role there this season, but I do think it's been hard. I would imagine it's been hard for him. Um, but to answer your question, I think this season, going into the season when they weren't entirely sure how good Jalen was going to be, I think having Gardner was the right move because if Jalen was struggling, um, Gardner would have been there to be, you know, a – sort of that veteran backup experience. He's has starts under his belt. Um, he knows what he's doing. He's very motivated. So I think that was the right choice for this season. However, going into next year changes everything. Um, I have a story coming out next week, week, next week about the bills quarterback room. And I'll use that as sort of a template for what the Eagles should do because so the bills, um, have Josh Allen, obviously, and there's no question about who their starter is. It's Josh. He's, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I would put Jalen up there now as well in the same kind of realm as a Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson um, situation. So Patrick Mahomes. Um, so the way that the Bills structured their room this year uh, was Josh had Matt Barkley come back as QB3. Matt Barkley had been there um, a couple mm -hmm. years earlier. Um, and the two of them just got along really well. And Matt Barkley's like 32. And so their QB2 is Case Keenum, who is a veteran. Obviously he was a starter for one year, uh, you know, a surefire starter for one year in Denver. He started the previous year with the Vikings. Eagles fans has remember a, well. Yeah. Yeah. Has a ton of experience, ton of experience under his belt. So they brought in case and Matt behind Josh as two veterans who are not in the phase of their career anymore, where they are like, I can be a starter. I can be a franchise quarterback. Like Matt, knows what he is. Um, he's had opportunities to compete for jobs and it just hasn't worked out for him. Although he, you know, 
was great at USC. It's just his NFL career has really never panned out. And Case had his shot as a starter as well, um, two seasons. And, you know, he, he recognizes he's kind of on the other end of that. And they're both very realistic. I've had conversations with both of them. They're both super realistic about where they are in their careers and like how they can contribute and be valuable. So for Josh, like Matt Barkley was saying to me, he's like, there's no tension in our quarterback room because we know where we are and we know how we need to help Josh and Josh, like no one's wondering who the quarterback here is. Like it's obviously Josh. And I think the Eagles are definitely in that situation now, but as they make changes next year, they're a hundred percent in that situation. So they should think about bringing in some backups who are veteran and like really secure in their identities who are totally capable of coming in and playing games, you know, if there's injuries, but aren't, you know, that threatening uh, presence to really push Jalen, but instead of pushing him, because I don't think he needs that push anymore, instead of pushing him, it would just be, let me l- lend you some of the experience that I have yeah. that might be helpful to you. Um, and Case was like, yeah, that's incredibly rare. He's like, most quarterback rooms that I've been in are the tense version where the roles aren't super clear and like there's room, you know, multiple people in the room feel like they have the ability and should be starting. So I think that's an interesting um, concept. And I think, you know, the Eagles model kind of what the bills said, I think that would work. That's well said. That's also, that makes sense for Case Keenan because he's always, he was always a guy who was like probably almost better than the starter where in places where he was. Yeah. Yeah. Or he's like getting benched for Nick Foles. Like there was one year when he like replaced Nick or no. Yeah. He replaced Nick, I think. And then with the Rams, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the previous, and then the next year he got benched for like Jared, I think. I don't know. It was like, you know, he's like, I've been in both. He's he's like, I've been in like literally every scenario where like I'm either getting promoted or I'm getting demoted. And like, you know, it's always like really close as to who Mm. it is. So yeah. So Zach, you did not, you actually didn't ask the question. I thought you were going to okay. ask. You asked a better question. That was the, that was the, the natural thought. That was the, the good QB two question. Uh, I was going to go with the entire Jalen hurts in Philadelphia experience does not happen. If the fifth round pick they had used the year before had panned out and they did okay. not need, <laughs> I wasn't going cheap, in that direction. <laughs> if, if they did not need a, a cheap backup quarterback, they would not have drafted Jalen Hurts. They would instead have Clayton Thorson, Kalen, <laughs> who was their attempt at a cheap backup, and they cut him after training camp. That's how bad he was. So uh, knowing your – Then he went to Dallas. Yes. Yes. Right? yes, I think that's right. And I think he also spent time with the Giants, so he's almost made his way around the entire division. Uh, we do, uh, on Birds with Friends, we do Peck Nest Migrate, which is uh, sort of like uh, kill, marry, um, you know, and not this is this is not in a in a physical sense, but from yeah. from a northwestern quarterback perspective, who would you want as your quarterback? Peck nest migrate, Trevor Simeon, Kafka. Clayton Thorson, Mike Kafka. Kafka, Kafka. You would you would nest Kafka or Peck? Oh, yeah. well, okay, sorry. I said, oh yeah, sorry. You know, nest yeah. is nest is is like the long term quarterback. Peck okay. is you get him for a year. Migrate is cut. There you go. Okay. Um, Migrate Thorson. Mm, clapping Sorry. thipping. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um uh Thorson was there when you were there, right? Uh he no, I was okay. Trevor. I didn't okay. like exactly mm, Trevor. Okay. Yeah, Trevor and I were the same class. Okay. Um so I was like King Coulter, Trevor Simeon era. Dan Persa was my starter fresh my freshman year. Okay. Um great guy. Um okay. I'm torn because Trevor has more starts than Mike Kafka ever did. I don't know. Did Mike Kafka ever even start a game in the NFL? I don't, I don't believe so. Yeah. Not with the Eagles, at least. Yeah. But he's like a good coach now. So it's like, does the coach brain help mm. you more long term? That's a good question. I mean, Simeon, give 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 the guy some love. Yeah, and he he could be a coach someday. You never know. Okay. Um, okay, so I'll go Nest, Trevor, um, Peck, Kafka. All right, I like that. You're right, but but is that that is the sliding doors, right, Zach? If if Thorson is an okay backup quarterback, there's no Jalen Hurts. You are actually correct about that, right? I mean, <laughs> for they, once, I I mean, I, I they viewed Thorson that that year as a as a developmental number three. And the purpose of it was to eventually take over for Sudfeld. 
Uh, and then Sudfeld goes down that year in training camp, and Thorson was just so bad in training camp yeah, that crazy. they that they brought Josh McCown out of the TV booth to be the backup oh, quarterback, yeah. right? So, right. yeah, Thor, it was lined up. That was 2020, right? Yes. No, that was 2019. No, that was 2019. And then 2020 is when they drafted Hurts. Yes. Right, 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 right. And then 2020 was when McCown was like a quarantine quarterback in Texas, right? Yes. Yes. And then got signed to the Texans. Houston. Yeah, yeah. No, he started off, though, as the quarantine quarterback of the Eagles. Right, right, right. And then they signed him to their active roster. And they were so proud of the quarantine. (laughs) Yes. Yes, exactly. They were. They were. Uh, as you, as you do with anybody, um, you're going to interview, you know, you, you ask around for, if there are any good questions to ask. Um, so Kaylin, I've been told to ask, how good are you at jump rope? Oh, very good. It's one of my, uh, actually speaking of quarantine, I picked it up in quarantine because I couldn't like go to the gym anymore. So I just bought a jump rope and I have an Irish dance background. So like, I'm good at jumping. Okay. Light on your feet. (laughs) Yeah. And footwork. So um yeah i jump rope all the time now um and i could do like the crisscross and like the sideways okay. thing and like lunging and jumping and um it's really fun because every time you jump rope you can just kind of like make something up but i'm not like the tiktok people like i don't know if you've seen the people on tiktok who no. are like absolutely insane like they they don't even really jump they're like throwing the rope around and like contorting their body like i don't do that stuff i'm actually still jumping like with rhythm um but the tiktok Flex. people i mean that's goals that's goals i actually looked into joining like a jump rope team but i couldn't find one like in my area so i don't know if you're listening to this and you know of a adult jump rope uh team that is in chicagoland let me know have you now, talked to have you have you had any discussions with your downstairs neighbor about your jump no, roping so habits I, I don't do it in my apartment okay. i will go I will either go outside or I will go now that's winter. I we have like a fitness center okay. on the top floor. I'll go there. So I don't know who lives underneath that floor, but I think there's a cushion floor underneath the fitness center. Okay. So I think I think I'm good. And so when we say like good, like if it, if this was one of those like elementary school competitions for like how long you could last. Oh <laughs> or, yeah, probably. Like a very yeah, long time. Probably. Yeah, except I don't really like I've never counted because I'm always trying new stuff. So I mess up all the time. So I don't actually know how long I could just. That's a good, I feel like, I feel like Zach would appreciate that philosophy. Always try some, try something. That's how you get better. Right, Zach? (laughs) Absolutely. It is. It's the only way to get better. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Well, I I'm curious and our audience will be curious too. I I think more our audience than me here Um, for those I hope everyone followed you when you were at the Defector and at Sports Illustrated Monday Morning Quarterback. Um, but for those who are just becoming familiar with your work now, uh, when we hear senior writer, national writer, um, it can go in a lot of different directions. Shiel is was on this podcast for a, a long time. He did the job of one way. What kind of work can our, our uh, audience expect from you in the coming weeks, months, and years? Yeah, so as an example, since I finished it, I can say it out loud now. Um, it's not that it's not that crazy, but um, Friday I have a story coming out about um, what it's like to be a rookie in Aaron Rodgers' offense, and um, I started it before Christian Watson became an offensive rookie of the year candidate, and tried to ruin my story idea. I was like, "Oh my God, why is he doing this?" Um, so uh, he must I have been it. so like ups, like oh, I'm doing this, but I'm ruining Caitlin's idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. I literally the first sentence is Christian Watson tried to ruin the yeah. story idea. Like so that. yeah, um, I was like, it's kind of edgy. Like I'll keep mm-hmm. it, and then I didn't know if the editors would like it, but they kept it. So I guess it passed. Um, so that's a good example of something where it's like I'll be curious about one specific thing that like maybe um you know other people just don't have the time to dive into and i'll be like okay i'm gonna call everybody who's been a rookie with aaron Rodgers. i'm gonna call as many of those people as i can um of those receivers and tight ends and things like that and like find out what it was like um so something like that and then like the bills qb room story that i just mentioned um just kind of like diving into specific things i like to investigate things a lot um so i did like a quick Favre investigation with katie strang in september and so Hopefully I'll have some more kind of like NFL 
nefariousness um, things to look into. There's no of shortage there's of those action. are the, those yeah. are Bo's favorite stories, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's yeah. there is uh, no shortage of that for sure. So um, definitely things like that where you know or something that will just kind of like stick out to you is like, oh, that was odd. Like I I want to look into that. Like I'm like, should I do something about like players faking injuries? I mean, it's been happening for as long as the NFL really has existed, but now we're seeing discipline for it. And I'm really curious, like, how do coaches coach that? Like, mm. what type of injury are you supposed to fake? Like, what's the most believable injury to fake? And like, cramps. How do you, <laughs> yeah. Like, and like, how do you do it? And like, what's the signal from the sideline? You know, things like that. So yeah, I think that's kind of what I, what I do is just sort of like interesting things and really go deep on them. I think well, that's I I'll say real quick, one of my favorite K1 stories, it's tangentially related to the Eagles and what's happening this weekend, but it's inside the uh, the Bears kicking search, right, from 2019. Right. And yes. that was, in essence, fallout from the Eagles-Bears game that year <laughs> in the playoffs with the double doink. And that happens to be the last time the Eagles were in Chicago before this weekend's game. Oh so God, yeah. It all kind of ties in together to having you on this week. Wow, I will never forget that game. You really that pulled that nice. together, Zach. That was nice. That was nice. That's what I'm here for, well. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna, I was, I was gonna say the the, the Ryquel Armstead story, um, which oh, one yeah. of my favorite stories that we've had on the on the site the entire football season. So everybody should check that out if they haven't. Yeah, that was a that was a sad but fun one. Uh, any any big Chicago recommendations for us this weekend? Um, I mean, what a see. silly question. It's a huge city. There's a million things to do. Where are you guys? Are you staying downtown? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, we should get drinks first of all, or something like we should like hang out. That'd be great. Um, uh, RPM Italian, great restaurant. Okay. Love it. Or RPM steak. Any of the RPMs are really good. There's a steak, a seafood and an Italian one. Um, and they're all kind of downtown. Okay. Um, Gibson's also really good steak. Um, I'm just going to name steak places. Um. <laughs> I mean, Zach just did a steak ad read, so you might as well. Yeah, that's probably why my brain is on yeah. it. I like I all Cheval, the burger spot. That's one of my mm. favorites yeah, that in place Chicago. Is good too. And it's we have to give good. a shout out to Candlelight, right? We do have to give a shout out to yeah. Candlelight. Yeah. We have a mutual friend, Zach, and I have a mutual friend whose uncle owns a bar mm. uh, restaurant in Rogers Park, which is like a northern neighborhood of Chicago. Um, it's called the Candlelight and they have really good pizza. Nice. Um, and a cookie skillet. They, yeah. Yep. Cookie skillet. <laughs> All the stuff. For the audio listeners, Zach's, the, the smile on Zach's face when he <laughs> mentioned the cookie skillet is exactly what you would expect. Listen, cookie skillets are not, not always like, I thought they were good everywhere, but I was at Giordano's a couple no, weeks ago. Which same, was like yeah. a yeah, eat this place it was literally like frozen yeah like Ooh. we didn't cook it fully yeah. i was so disappointed zach what's the best so, cookie skill you've ever had uh my uncle steve makes a great cookie skill <laughs> yes <laughs> it's never an actual thing it's a it's like the cameos when i ask for your favorite you know person named nick and it's just someone who you went to high school with oh this reminds me okay this is how we, this is how we can close the show kaylin um how many how many numbers like phone numbers do you remember from your childhood and is it like is it more than like phone numbers you remember off the top my of your head house, yeah my house my mom's cell phone was just the same okay my grandma's cell phone maybe my grandpa's cell phone uh i think my friend emily's landline okay that's a good one um Damn, I I like if this was like five years ago, I think I would still have remembered like six different landlines of my friends. Okay. Uh, well, I'd say maybe five or six. Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, Zach, would you like to fill us in on the <laughs> no, phone numbers that... you remember from high school or from no, you gotta, your childhood, please? You got to pay money to Cameo for charities, <laughs> uh, right? In, in order to get that story. Yes. Marissa, do you want to? All right. So for some context here, um, we were doing a cameo the other day and this question, somehow this came up because all sorts of things come up on the cameos. And Zach made a comment that he still remembers the phone numbers of girls from middle school that he used to call asking about homework. And he would call wow. and listen to this move. Homework. He yeah, would, homework. Yeah, yeah, he would yeah. call pretending to not know the homework assignment and ask what the homework assignment was. Which we all know Zach knew the homework assignment. Wow. Yeah. And then did you have to go into your like 
phone book that you got from your school mm. to like oh, no, yeah. no, he the red book. the numbers he still yeah that, well yeah he no, could still I, I, he could on. still give you like five numbers of girls he was calling in high in in like <laughs> sixth grade call one right now and see who answers <laughs> No, 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 we're not gonna do that. There's Black, a Katie why? in there. Oh, Bo, 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 come on, Bo. Bo. Do it live. I'm ready. I'll star 67. Yeah. What was it? 67? Is that I was wondering no science homework tonight. <laughs> do you know the math assignment? We forgot. It's Casey's birthday today. We gotta get rolling here. You're right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. Kaylin, thank you so much uh, for taking the time. Hopefully we'll get to see you in Chicago this weekend. And thanks to everybody uh, for listening and watching. So for Zach, Marissa, and Kaylin, and all of Zach's uh, elementary school flings, I'm Bo. We thank you for listening. We'll talk to you on Friday. And as always, we love you.